Welcome to episode five. It's Chats with Colleen. I'm Colleen, and I have a special guest here today, Sarah. Hello. Thank you for joining me. Of course. She is a state attorney, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to say from where, but we're so happy that you are here to join us. Assistant state attorney. Assistant. Yes, not an elected official. Oh, Right. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to learn a lot today. Yes. But I have a little something to share. I found this going through my mom's stuff as we were packing up the house. I once wrote um, a crime novel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how old I was, but I talked about on a story, stormy night, there was a robbery. Wow. Interesting. So I have always been interested in crime. Okay. Even at an early age. And so my sister was like, oh my God, you've always been a little bit of like this psycho. You've always been like this. I love watching true crime and Dateline, 48 hours. You said on the blind, a robber on Elm Street. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to spell, obviously. And and it kind of looks like a serial killer. Like, yeah. Like that, but and, and it's, 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 yes, it's hilarious. Yes. Yes. It's the first take. Love it. My little. Love it. A little instru- uh, you know, interest you in crime. Right. So, Were you always interested in crime? I will say that I was not. Um, I, that is not my wheelhouse. Uh, it's, it is very interesting. I always tell people, you know, they make TV shows out of what, what I do. Oh, yeah. Several TV shows. So it's not, it's very common that uh, a lot of people are interested in it because it is fascinating. Um, but for myself, I love Law and Order and all that, but I didn't think that I'd be doing this for sure. And after 11 years or yes. more yes. after you passed the bar, you're practicing. So I feel like. If you didn't want to do law, what did you want to do before? Or you don't know? Um, I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, that was what I really wanted to do. Um, but not that law is easy, but medical school <laughs> is very serious. You have, you know, I started doing the medical school track in undergrad. And, you know, you have two or three hours of class. And then you have to go to lab back to back. So you're doing four hours at least of just science. Um, and when you're 18 years old, it's a lot. <clears throat> so a I lot clearly didn't have the passion at that time. Um, so I definitely wanted to be a doctor. And I don't know why. I think it's just I was fascinated by medicine and science, but um, didn't work out for me. So here I am. <clears throat> but I think being a doctor, you help people and you're solving cases for people. So this is very similar because you're helping people in a different way. Yes, Yes, a lot of people, lawyers get a bad rap, you know, because they're all, you know, there's like the jokes of how do you know if a lawyer's lying, they're like, their lips are moving, right? Um, so uh, I am very proud to say um, this is something that's um, a very <clears throat> noble part of the profession. Um, you definitely, uh, it's a very rewarding job, specifically in what I do every day. So um, I, I can proudly say I wear a white hat every day. Um, I'm trying to make a difference. And so that's, that's huge. <clears throat> that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Very inspiring. And could you tell me and everybody else, what is an assistant state prosecutor? What does that actually mean? So um, it's you, there's an elected official, which is why when you said state attorney, so he's elected. Uh, so there's circuits. So for example, there's the ninth circuit, which is Orange County, Osceola County. Um, the 18th circuit is Seminole County, Brevard County. <clears throat> so the actual state attorney is an elected official. Uh, so he's he's a lawyer, but it's an elected political um, position. Then we are sworn in under him or her as a assistant state attorney. So um, 
we, I forgot your question because I went on a tangent, but uh, we prosecute as the state of Florida. So people think, oh, uh, the party to the case is the state of Florida versus a defendant. Right. So we bring charges against an individual who has committed a crime. Um, and so specifically in what I do, those crimes are from misdemeanors to felonies. <clears throat> Now, you have, like, attorney general's offices. Those are um, also criminal, but they also have financial cases that are also criminal but involves uh, different uh, multiple counties and circuits. Um, but specifically for an assistant state attorney, we are we are the ones bringing charges against an individual. Um, and a lot of people don't know this, but, like, if I ask you, what's the, who's the most powerful person in a courtroom? Would you know, what, what would your answer be? I think I would say the judge. Right. Well, the judge, it's actually the prosecutor. So a judge is essentially um, an umpire. They call balls and strikes. So they do not bring charges. Uh, they're only allowed to rule on matters of law. <clears throat> so the state attorney, assistant state attorney, or the state attorney are the ones that bring actual criminal charges to court. So we are the only ones that can drop a charge. We're the only ones that can amend a charge. Uh, the judge cannot do that unless there is a legal reason so if a state doesn't have enough evidence and material like they have to then then something is dismissed because there's not there's a legal reason that's the only way they can dismiss a charge but not just because whereas we can say okay well this is a burglary but for whatever reason whether it's best interest of the state best interest of the victim or maybe we don't have enough and we just come to an agreement then we can amend it to a lesser charge, like a misdemeanor, but a judge can't just do that without having a legal reason to do that. Wow. <clears throat> I never knew all this. Uh-huh. This is really interesting. And I feel like everybody listening isn't going to know either. Um, so I, I feel like we already asked this before. What what inspired you to get involved in this line of work? I wish I had something <laughs> really... <laughs> Uh, fascinating to say about it, but honestly, it, it was a job. I was in law school, and initially I wanted to do insurance defense work because I worked with so many plaintiff's attorneys that it was, uh, at times, not pleasant, and I didn't. I saw a lot of injustice, in my opinion, with plaintiff's attorneys, and so I went to law school. I knew I always wanted to go to grad school, so um, then I ended up getting an um, internship at the attorney general's office. And then uh, from there, I got an internship at the state attorney's office, and I enjoyed it. Uh, but honestly, at the time when I graduated law school and just my personal things going on in my life, uh, they kind of just offered me a job. So, <laughs> um, but I loved it. It was, you know, the pay, the pay isn't what you can get in the private sector, but it is definitely very rewarding. The benefits are great, especially if you have a family. Um, the pensions aren't what they used to be, but... You definitely don't do this for the money, but it is it is very rewarding. And I wish I wish I had a better reason to say how it, it kind of uh, ended up in my life, but that's my reason. Well, that's a good reason. I got into insurance because of my family. So oh, there you go. I feel like, you know, it's all, we all have a reason. Did I think I would be doing this? No, but I think it's great what you do. Um, very. Have you ever worked on a case that scared you? Yes. I mean, you're dealing with, you know, some criminals, they come across, they become part of the justice system because it's it's like a desperation, right? It's just their life, or they're just in the wrong crowd, or they're in the wrong circumstance, or they meet the wrong people. For other people, 
It's their way of life, and they don't know anything different. And there's people that they have nothing to lose. So those kind of people is sometimes concerning, um, especially when you get, like, drug traffickers and career criminals and things in that nature, because, you know, it's not as glamorous as you see on on movies, but a lot of people, they just don't, they come first, and nothing matters. So when somebody has nothing to lose, um, it can be scary. And when you've sent someone to prison, and essentially most of their family is in prison or in and out of prison, um, it's a little it's a little jolting. Um, so, yes, there are some cases, which is why, you know, social media and things like that is very limited and or non-existent for a lot of us. <clears throat> yeah, I can imagine, because you could worry about the retaliation from their family, their friends, or their loved ones, because... They don't care. Right. And I'm not saying that, you know, I feel or any of my colleagues feel like, oh, somebody's following us or going to, I mean, I think a lot of the times you hear about intimidation and things like that. But me personally, I've never, I've never had that happen, thankfully. And it's, it's not common. It really isn't common. I don't think so. So, I think in this day and age, there's too much tracking that they could find somebody, I would hope. So anyways, um, what's it like being a female in this line of work? It is. It's interesting. It's actually graduates from law school are becoming, I forget what the percentage is, but I think it's more females are graduating. But in the world of law, it is it is still very male oriented. Um, and especially being a female, a younger female, um, it's tough. And I know some judges, the way they interact with me, um, you can just tell if it, it, it will come different from a male, especially an older male. Or some attorneys, I'll be in court with a partner um, that I work with, and you know they'll ask me a question, wanting to get a, a different plea offer, and and then they'll go to my partner, assuming that he's <clears throat> more experienced, and and then talk to him and be like, hey, can you talk to her? Can we like, can we work something out? You know, and so you have those moments, but because I've been doing this over ten years now, you become you kind of have like a a reputation so but it is it is very it is very male oriented still uh, but not it's getting better more judges are female you're seeing more and more female attorneys so it's it is improving how about the pay is it the pay the same um we're getting better <laughs> uh, i would like to say that we are but it's not as it's not as bad as it used to be um so it is getting better i will say that um, close. I understand that too. I deal with the same thing in my line of work, you know, with men, sometimes it's, it's difficult. You know, I look young, I sound young, but I'm experienced. And they think you're the assistant, right? And yeah, yeah, you're, you're the receptionist. I I wish. (laughs) Some days. I mean, we've come a long way because I have colleagues that are older female and, you know, for them, they were told, Oh honey, can you go get us coffee? And they're actually an attorney, and like that's cr- that's crazy. Like that that's not really going to happen nowadays. So you right. don't have that. This isn't Mad Men, you know. <laughs> so, uh, it, so it is getting better, but it, unfortunately, it's still there. It's still there. We're coming along. Yeah. Have you ever witnessed injustice either to a defendant or a crime um, or an unfair ruling against? I mean, unfortunately, it's reality, right? Uh, this isn't a perfect world. And I always say that this, the justice system in America is not perfect, but it is, um, I think it's the best we have now. There are, can there be improvements? Absolutely. And personally, 
you could say there are cases where, you know, a judge has to, a judge is a political appointment also, right? So they have to run for office or for their position. And so they don't want to piss off the community or a defense attorney. And so the rulings sometimes that they do tend to be more in favor to a defendant. Um, And so as a prosecutor, you're like pulling your hair out. Like, how can you not see the, you know, the evidence, but they're going to always mostly rule in favorable of the defendant. So there are cases where, you know, we're getting better, but for example, text messages. <clears throat> to be able to prove a text message to come into court as evidence, you know, you have to go through this whole predicate and have, you know, and it's hard to prove if John is saying that he's George and then George has another number, you know, these kind of things. And so if like a judge is going to rule, well, how do I know that George sent these and not John? You know what I'm saying? So you have these kind of cases where, especially where there's a victim involved, um, the burden is so high, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's because, you know, it's like that, I forget, I should have looked this up before I got here, but <laughs> what's that rule, that, what's that famous saying, better for one innocent man, one guilty man to go free than one innocent man to go to prison or something, I think it was, uh, anyways, uh, one, of the, one of those phrases, but it's true, and it's like our burden as a state attorney's office is so high like, beyond a reasonable doubt is a very high burden, and that's the highest burden in the legal system. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it's not beyond all doubt. People kind of forget that, but it's beyond reasonable doubt, and that's a very high burden to prove that this person is guilty of this crime. So I see it, I'm not going to say daily, but there's a lot of the times that things don't even go to court because I have to tell a victim, look, I'm sorry, I can't, I have to plead this out to this, or I can't, I have to drop this case because... I have to prove this to a jury, to a judge, that this is beyond all reasonable doubt. And I know this happened to you, and I'm sorry that it happened, but there's nothing I can, I can, I can't prove that. And, you know, a lot of people do understand it, but it's like somebody breaks your car, breaks in your car, or breaks in your home, and there's no fingerprints, and there's no witnesses. How are you going to prove that John Doe did that? Although you know John Doe did that. And you're like, I know he did it, but we have no no way to tie that person to Nobody it. else that's seen it. it. There can't be any gray area. It's the same thing with insurance. If it's in a gray area, then it's a, right. a no. Right. And the, and the law is like, it is, the law can be very gray. Like, you learn this in law school. Like, we can look at a fruit basket sitting here. And on my side, I see bananas and apples. And on your side, you see oranges and, you know, grapes. So, and you can interpret the law in different ways. But the end result is still, like, I'm not just going to point a finger at somebody if it's a he said, she said, right? So, and, and not, you know, when I started at the state attorney's office, I had a mentor. And he said, and it's, he is religious, but it, it's a very basic concept. He goes, you know, even the Bible says you need two witnesses to accuse someone, Right. And so, and two witnesses doesn't have to be physical people. It could be like a physical person and evidence, right? So that eliminates the whole he said, she said, because then anybody could come up to you and say, Colleen stole this from me, right? And, and then what evidence do you have except for that person's statement? So you, I see injustice, unfortunately, more often than I should, just because um, it's just the way the law is. So I myself, I had an incident at the court system. So I had an ex-boyfriend who was violent with me. And so we had to get a restraining order. And um, he violated it a couple times. He came to work, grabbed me by the neck, tried to get me into the car. He came to my parents' house, climbed in the window, broke a lamp, trying to get me to 
do something or go somewhere with him. And he followed me. So when I was leaving the courtroom, I was crying to the judge. I was so nervous. I was about to throw up. And I'm like, well, he's not going to show up because he's probably in jail. And the judge kind of scolded me. But I, I understand now after you say that, because it can't just be because I'm saying that, that he's not here. It's like, there's a reason. But then when I was walking to my car and he was driving by, Trying to get me to get in, into the car with him. So I know it's not a perfect world because it just is what it is and everything can't always be stopped. And there's always like, oh, you get this piece of paper, but there's always steps that have to come because he's a person too and he has rights. Right. And mm-hmm. I mean, some of these countries, people want to complain about how bad it is here, but, you know, try, try being in another country where they can just lock you up for any reason. Um, and that, you know, are there injustices? Sure. Are there people in prison? Probably. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a high burden to me. And, you know, just just saying somebody did something isn't enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. You have to have no proof. Correct. Correct. It was just like anything. If somebody's going to say that I did something or didn't do something, you have to prove that how I didn't do it. Right. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your biggest concern today in the justice system? Ooh, that's a big one. Um... I do feel like there's this chitter-chatter a lot about the jails being uh, overburdened and too many people in, in jail. Um, I don't really agree with that. I mean, I, I have a fear. I mean, Florida, and this isn't getting into politics, but, you know, some of these states where they're not even arresting people for committing crimes, that's crazy, right? You know, I have people come up to me, oh, this is a victimless crime, like drugs. But drugs are, like, the crux of the problem, right? So once you start getting, like, people that are addicted to drugs, then you start getting into why they they need money to steal drugs. So what do they do? They start breaking into homes, and then people start, like, robbing people, and they start, it becomes more and more violent. And so when there's no consequences, then the the crimes become more egregious. And to me, as a prosecutor, I see that concerning, because I'll see someone's track history and their, their record, and it's like, how come they haven't gone to jail or prison yet? Right, because it's like, oh, I'm just gonna get a stop on the wrist, and th- then here we are, right back at it. And you know, people are like, oh, there's mental health, and like mental health. Yes, there is a huge mental health issue, but as the state, because I see it, there are plenty of programs for somebody to get mental health, and people can call me ignorant or anything, but I know because I see it. There's plenty of programs to get mental health and drug treatment, but people, you have to want to do it. Um, so that that's a huge, that's a concern. Um, is that you're having these people where there's not enough penalties and consequences where it's like, well, let me get let me get my stuff together um, because I just, you see it start escalating. And it's not always, but you can see right. the behavior and the patterns start escalating. Especially <clears throat> it starts at home or it starts with, you know, drug addictions. And a lot of that does go back to mental health. Because they address their mental health issues with s- s- drugs to try and numb it or whatever they need escape it, right. escape. the pain or the, the feelings, the thoughts that they're having. So I do see that's a big problem. Um, what do you consider your biggest accomplishment or win in your career thus far? Um, I think like, you know, I do a gamut of cases, but personally, um, doing sex crime cases are, very rewarding. That is a field where there's so many people, if you look at statistics, that never report crimes that happen to them. Because unfortunately, like we just said, those are he said, she said cases, or he said, he said, she said, she said. Um, and so 
these types of cases, there's so many victims that they're so afraid that nobody's going to believe them. So especially when you see children um, that have been in a home and abused most of their life and then they just snap as an adult. And so we can go back and, you know, you see the behavior of the grooming and all of this and, you know, that somebody actually is going to believe them, you know, having a trial. And I remember doing a trial and the victim was now in her early 20s and it started from the age of six when she was, it was her stepdad, for example. Oh. And um, we went to the trial and the jury went out. <clears throat> and, you know, to go through that whole process, you know, here you have to, she told her mom and then you have to tell the police and then you have to tell the other detectives because initially a police officer is going to come to your house and then the detectives are going to come and talk to you and then you're going to have to go and get examined and then you're going to have to, like there's all these steps and imagine talking about your first sexual experience with how many people and then you have to sit in a public courtroom and talk about this that's like so shameful and you know I mean I don't see it as shame but to them I can understand the shame and so you know, I'm always so proud of these victims that get to this point where they have to go through all these steps because it is, it just empowers them. Um, but I could also, when they, they said the jury had reached a verdict and I was going into the courtroom um, and she just was standing outside of the courtroom and I'm like, oh, are you going to come in? And she's like, I'm afraid, you know, and I get teared up because it was like very, um, you know, I told her, I said, I'm so proud of you. Like, whatever happens, like, I'll, I'm getting emotional about it because I was like, whatever happens, like, you've done this to this point. This is, like, you're stronger than a lot of people I know. And, um, you know, we walked in there and we got a guilty verdict and, you know, he's in prison for life now. So uh, to have a voice for these these victims that they don't see the strength within themselves. And so you they look at me and they're like, man, you're so strong. You're so, uh, you're just, like, a strong person. But, um it doesn't come easy either. So to be able to help someone and get their voice and, and kind of like, this this has changed their life forever. Like nothing's going to bring back their youth, their innocence or anything like that, but to empower them and, and show them like, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm like, help, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting you. And I can, I call people and I, I'll tell them, hey, you know, this is such and such and I'm, I'm the prosecutor. And they're like, you're the real prosecutor, like the actual prosecutor. And it's, you know, yes, I am. And I'm not, I don't consider myself a superhero or anything like that. I just, I'm no different than anybody else. So if I can have a voice and help someone, um, that is truly rewarding. Wow. That was really moving yeah. for that girl and for you. I can't imagine. And I also heard Florida is like Miami and Tampa are like the top child human trafficking and child trafficking um, areas of the country. I could see that. I guess the open ports and all the people that come in and out. And it's unfortunate. I don't deal in those cases, like, but, um, you know, what happens is they end up, from what I understand, is they end up, uh, like, in human trafficking, finding women, specifically women, and they give them drugs, and they usually have a checker pass themselves, like the girls, and so then, you know, they don't want to get caught by the police, and then nobody really believes them. Right. So it's 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 common. Um, and then you have Orlando, which is considered. Um, like pass through, pass through the through way. Yeah. Right. They pass them through here. Right. Take them to other places. Mm-hmm. It's it's in and out. So I'm, I'm not surprised. And I don't know. I've heard that about Tampa also, that Tampa has a lot of. Uh, it's just populated. Sex, sex, sex offenders. Yeah. Sex, of, sex offenders. Sex offenders. So, yeah. And I mean. That's, that's huge. Sex offenders, 
you know, people, they feel sorry for them, but, you know, the community has a right to know if a sex offender is living next door, right? Because um, they can't live in certain places, the near schools, playgrounds, zones, yeah. churches, so if there's a lot of restrictions. So, um, but they also committed some pretty egregious crimes, right? So, um, they did. Yep. In most cases. Right. Most cases. Yeah. Most of them. And then I know they have a big problem here with fentanyl. Fentanyl's, I mean, if someone's buying drug off the streets, I'd be very concerned. And <laughs> you don't know what they're cutting it with. No. And fentanyl can kill, I mean, it's crazy. I don't, I, I wish I had, I had Googled this, but fentanyl, the statistic is crazy how much, like a small amount can kill um, someone. I don't understand how, if that is, like, I hear that, but then people take the pills and they shoot it. I'm like, how are they doing that? But they just build up such a tolerance. Yeah, to it. and at some point, I mean, it's scary. It's very scary. Very scary. You shouldn't be buying them. They put on Xanax and marijuana. So if you're doing Xanax, uh, get a prescription. If there's a reason. You don't need to be buying them. Right. If you're anybody. getting some shady something from someone, I'd be, I'd be a little concerned. Or just cocaine. Or crap. No. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it, it is a problem for sure. I see them on those screens when I see like the ones on TV. I see them. They're they're working hard for those. People. And they actually they have good relationships. Most of them, or they should. The good ones have good relationships with us and the judges, and they're in front of the same. Because the way it works is you're assigned to a division, and so we are in. We work with the same public defenders, and we have the same judge. So you know you can look at a case and say, well, my judge is probably going to rule this way, knowing how they rule. Um, and public defenders, you know, sometimes will come up and be like, hey, you know, can you do this for me? And it's like a scratch my back, you scratch mine. And it's it's not that, you know, one guy's going to get a terrible deal and the other one's not. That's not what I mean. But it's just uh, if you have a good relationship with the state and we have with them, your case will likely get resolved in the most favorable manner for everyone involved. So I feel bad. They get such a bad rap. Um, but you know, I've had public defenders in the past where, you know, they had a baby and I bought them baby clothes. Like it's not contentious. I mean, we do have moments where we're on opposite sides because we have a job to do, but not where it's like, I can't stand that person. Right. I mean, it's just, they have to do their job. Um, I have to do my job. And so, but they're, they're actual attorneys. I, ju I just feel bad for them because I they're hear it all the time. And they're, they're actual, helping them. Right. They're working for your best interest right. because their job is to help the public. Right. And I'm, I'm just surprised because a lot of people, I think because they see on TV an ADA, like a district attorney, but that just depends on what state you live in and where you are. But so in Florida, it's assistant state attorney, but it's the same thing as being an ADA for us. Um, and, but I'm surprised when I tell people, which I don't tell often, it's usually, I usually just say I'm a flight attendant or something like that when I meet people in public. But if I see, you know, if you have a conversation and you're like, oh, okay, and then, you, you know, or you meet friends of friends and I say a prosecutor, there are a lot of people I'm shocked they don't know exactly what it is. Um, they think that, that we're either public defenders or, I don't know, just, I'm, I'm shocked. I am surprised. No, I'm too. And a lot of the stuff, some of the terminology and the wording, I didn't know. So I'm glad now I know I can feel like there that was true. I can tell <laughs> the people because I knew about the public defender, right. obviously. Um, and I do want to say, I, I feel like, especially, and you know, it's again, it's not, it's not a political thing. It's just that as a prosecutor, we do have a lot of discretion. Um, and I, and I am proud to say that like myself or, my colleagues. Now I can't speak for every circuit, but um, 
at the end of the day, I'm proud to say that we do the right thing. Um, and I can say, and we also have discretion. Like every crime has, like in felony, they have a score, like a number. And when you reach a certain score based on your history, that I'm just simplifying it, that is what determines if you're going to go to prison or not. And just because you may score a level to go to prison, if an attorney comes to me and says, hey, this person has like a drug problem, can you get rehab? And like, so we have a lot of discretion to be able to help people. And that is very rewarding for me because I, I can give somebody an opportunity to show me like I made a poor choice, right? And there are people, I've had defendants come up to me and be like, oh my goodness, like you changed my life. Like I got drug treatment. I'm so much better now. These are my kids. Like I've run into them in in public. Um, and so if, if I'm able to have the ability to help somebody now, if your record shows otherwise, <laughs> right, there, that's a different story. But, you know, there's especially anybody under 25, in my opinion, as a kid, and there's younger people that they just get mixed in the wrong crowd. And you can see that this is not what they do, but they were with the wrong crowd. And now all of a sudden they get a crime that's automatic prison. But I'm like, this seems to be a good kid. You're going to be on house arrest. You're going to like go to work and school and you're going to do what you're supposed to do. And they, they get back on their feet. And so this is the part of the justice system. I don't think that like people see um, that we do have the ability to, to try and help where we can. So that was it. Well, that was good. That's great. It's true. But the people have to make changes in their life too. They have to want to. Yeah. Yes. That's the problem. Yep. A lot of people don't want to. No, no accountability. <laughs> I know. No drive, no accountability. But with all that being said, will you come back again and join us? Absolutely. Your colleagues yes. And on, you can come back whenever you want. They might be more shy than me, so no promises. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We like shy people. We can uh, loosen them up a little right. bit. That's <laughs> right. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe and share our post and our podcast. Currently, we are planning episodes bi-weekly. Also, you can continue to follow us, our updates on our socials. We are at Secured Insurance Group. Instagram is Colleen Insurance Lady 22. The podcast was hosted by myself, Colleen, and it's recorded and produced and edited by Sean Spazzato, the executive producer. Our podcast cover art is designed by Norma, and our intro music is by um, Lounge Bar by Geronic. Goodbye and have a great day. Bye.